Hi, and welcome. I'm Jeff Hunter, and you are listening to Coaching in the Clear, the podcast committed to helping you learn about coaching. Coaching is more popular than ever, and we believe that sharing in-depth personal conversations about coaching experiences is the best way for you to learn whether coaching is for you and how you can get the most out of your coaching practice. We are especially interested in how people use coaching to unleash their potential while creating market-leading big-change businesses. Coaching in the Clear is a production of Talentism, a business dedicated to helping the world's most ambitious leaders achieve their ultimate goals by systematically turning confusion into clarity. We send out a weekly newsletter called The Sensemaker, where we offer our latest thinking about issues affecting big change companies and their leaders, as well as provide other helpful content to enable you to unleash your potential. Learn more and sign up at talentism.com. Today, I'm speaking with Eric Kinnerawala. Eric is the founder and CEO of Capsule, the pharmacy of the future. Over the last five years, he and his team have built Capsule into a multi-city, multi-pharmacy platform across the United States. Eric and I met soon after he started Capsule, and I've enjoyed watching him learn, struggle, and grow as a successful entrepreneur and a self-aware leader. We'll talk about talent, being a craftsman, helping others to do the same, contextualizing intuition, and much, much more. Eric, thanks very much for joining and welcome to the conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to uh, have the conversation. Yeah, well, let's give this a shot. So, Eric, you have envisioned, designed, and built an incredible company. You've worked with me. You've partnered with Talentism. So, you know, you're familiar with our approach and our thinking. And of course, um, I've seen you do a lot of your own coaching over time as a successful executive and investor. And that leads me to ask you, uh, how do you think about the value and importance of coaching? It's been really interesting. I'd never had a coach before you and I started working together um, a handful of years ago now. And I think, I think there was sort of initially I had some trepidation around, uh, around coaching as almost a sense of like, you know, I don't need a coach. I can, I can kind of figure it out. And I think the phrase, the, the idea of like, Hey, even Tiger Woods has a coach kind of always resonated with me, um, which is like, no matter who you are and where you are in your own kind of journey, I think everyone needs somebody to bring out the best in them. And that can mean a lot of different things. But for me, it's really been, I think what's been valuable has been a couple of things. I think one has been to create a safe space to really have somebody be able to work through with you some of the unique challenges that really only, you know, in my, in my case, that, you know, only the CEO has to deal with um, and to have somebody who can provide and share a framework that I, I think that not only has helped me like think about the specific sort of situation that I'm in, but what, what are the kind of guiding principles that let me then apply that framework to the same or similar situations that are going to happen over time. I think the other thing that's been really helpful is sort of a process of self-discovery around, you know, my own mental models, my own um, assumptions that are baked into decisions I make that I might not even know their assumptions because they're so deep rooted. So this idea of a mirror um, and somebody who can both understand who you are, but bring that mirror back and help you kind of work through what the impact of 
your words, your decisions, your actions are on, on those around you, all with sort of, I think, the consistent goal of, you know, unleashing the, you know, greatness within, um, within you know, that, that exists in each of us. And so I think for me, it's been two things. One has been sort of a set of tools and a framework to approach problems over time. And the second has been a mirror to be able to, you know, uncover blind spots or to better understand myself, to be able to be more effective with others over time. That makes a lot of sense. And so thank you for saying that. And thank you for saying that because, of course, that's what we're trying to do. So it's good to know that it's working in some way. Uh, the thing you said about self-discovery is something that I wanted to pick up on a little bit. So as you know, because you and I have talked about this frequently, the way I think about it is that you are the only tool that you have to bring to the table when you're a leader or a manager. Like fundamentally, you've got this mind. And the mind has models and capabilities and impressions and all these things in it. And the most valuable thing you can do is to get to know that tool better and become a real craftsman with that tool as opposed to trying to acquire new tools. Because fundamentally, if the underlying thing that you're working with, the, the, you know, the brain you've got, uh, is something that's a mystery to you, all the other tools are going to be secondary to that primary problem of you don't know how to use that thing. So that self-discovery is a critical part of what we're trying to do. And of course, as you and I have talked about many times, what makes that especially difficult is you yourself can't really interrogate your own mind to figure out what's going on underneath. There's this really thin channel between your consciousness and your unconsciousness, the consciousness of what you're going through and how you think and what you believe, etc. And then this whole huge mass of intuition and instinct and memory uh, and emotion and all those things that are really not accessible. So you have to go into battle. In essence, you have to like get to work and you've got to do things and then try to take the data or the evidence uh, you, that you produce and bring it back to the table and say, okay, how am I going to make sense of this? How am I going to make sense of what this says about me? Because frankly, that surprised me or I thought I was better at that or whatever it was. I think the role of coach, at least a clarity coach, is crucial to try to help you make sense of that. Uh, so one of my questions would be uh, just for you personally, what's been one of the things that because you and I have worked together so long, what have been the things that you started out and thought, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this thing. I, I think I'm good at it. And then over time, through the process, through the work, and through just being a successful executive, you've come to maybe a bit more humility or a, a perspective of like, wow, I've learned that's much harder than I thought, or I'm not as good at it as I thought. Uh, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, one of, one of the things I spent a lot of time doing is building an amazing team to tackle the mission that we have, which is large and ambitious. And so I spent a lot of my time recruiting and interviewing. And I think, I think there's, I think getting more, in some ways, getting more sophisticated about interviewing, but in some ways, actually just becoming much simpler and much clearer about what, you know, what, what is an interview process and what is the point of an interview process and what are you actually trying to do, um, in a conversation or a series of conversations in an interview process. And I think the thing that has resonated the most for me is that it's all about, uh, it's all about context and that, you know, one of the things that I've learned 
through through coaching is really to start with what is the context that exists at our company what is the context that exists of somebody working you know for me or or being on you know my team and then how do you use the interview process to collect evidence to suggest whether that person uh, or that individual can be successful in that context as almost the primary driver or predictor of whether that individual um, you know will be likely more likely or less likely to be successful you know in that environment and so this idea that it's not about finding the world's best marketer. It's about finding the person that can be the world's best marketer at your company working for you. And I think that's a really important distinction um, that maybe was less, less clear and less codified when I started doing this five years ago. And I think has come into pretty extreme focus as, as, as an individual and as a company, as a team, we get better and better and better at at assessing talent and, and building out our team. That's been a really powerful um, way, I think, to kind of combine what you said, like, how are you a craftsman with your own tool and your own set of tools? And then how do you, how do you bring folks in that are going to enable them to be the best craftsman they can be? Um, and that's all about the context and, and past evidence of being successful in contexts and environments that are successful. So I think I think that's probably the, the one of the biggest things that I have. I think a lot of humility for people that are are really good are being able to pattern match. You know what what kinds of people will be successful in the environment that you have or that you've created. You know both who else is around the table, but also just what are the values and norms that exist at your own company. And a lot of that for founder founder led businesses, the way Capsule is, you know, stems from the founder, you know, herself or himself. And so being able to understand your own, the, the context that you create as a virtue of being you, um, and then being very upfront, open, and transparent about what that is, this is who we are, um, but also then seeking to collect evidence whether that individual can, can be successful in that context. Uh, so, you know, an example of that is really, I think, you know, communication style and pattern is something that, um, you know, that is perhaps not unique at capsule but is certainly consistent at capsule and that we're a company that prefers to be in rapid sync to be in continuous communication um, and we because we're a company that is very focused on learning and iterating and and moving quickly the idea of you know there we have found that there are individuals on either end of the spectrum there are individuals who really prefer to take a problem and then go away for a month and put together a very polished presentation and come and kind of have like the ta-da big presentation moment. Um, and we have generally found that that is not the context that we have at Capsule. And so that while that presentation might be really excellent and that person might be very excellent at their craft, that at Capsule we are about learning together, we're about winning together, and we're about you know continuously staying in sync so that you know, every day, every week, um, we're learning so that over the course of that month, the information that gets put into whatever the initiative is, is actually kind of on an uphill trajectory versus staying static for a month. I and mean, I think we found that people that thrive in that environment of kind of short bursts of communication and wanting to stay in sync with the folks around them really find the, really find the environment energizing. And for individuals who prefer to be able to go off in a corner by themselves for an extended period of time, 
find that environment to be, you know, find the environment to be distracting, believe they're being micromanaged, um, and generally find that to be the opposite of energizing. Yeah, I want to I want to connect something you said because I think it's a really important insight for leaders and for managers. You're bringing up this idea of of context, but also something that that you started talking about, which is like, what are your underlying mental models? So, my experience of us working together is when we first started working together, that you you had had this great career where you'd done a certain thing, you had been worked in. Uh, the hedge fund industry, and you'd have this sort of pedigreed uh, educational background. And so early when we started working with each other, you would talk a lot about, oh, this person went to a good school, they've been at good companies, et cetera. And you'd really think, wow, this given that resume, this person's going to be great. And then over time, what I saw you do is, because you're, you're very analytical, and you tend to like follow the data through to completion so you can so you can learn what i saw you do is say you know there doesn't seem to be much correlation in this context in, in inside a capsule between having done these sorts of things and being successful here there must be something else that is a correlation and through that work i think you've come to to these insights but I believe connecting to coaching and the value of coaching and what you talked about in the beginning is this self-discovery process. We all come to the table with these mental models. And we all come to the table. Anybody who's having a conversation at work is operating from a position of having underlying unconscious mental models. And in those mental models are all sorts of assumptions about how the world works and about what we're like, the connection between the two. And then all sorts of things like what kinds of people are going to be successful here or not be successful here, et cetera. And a lot of those models are just wrong. They just aren't predictive. Uh, they aren't helpful or predictive of future success. And it's incredibly difficult to try to uncover those things because you have to, again, do it through the you know evidentiary investigative process. You got to do stuff and then you got to look at the results and say, wow, that really doesn't work. What if we tried something else? And I've found you to be very good at that sense-making, action-taking, experimentation sort of loop. Um, but now, so one of the things I think you're especially good at is I think you're, you're very good at trying to use data to understand what's happening and why something is happening. And you described not only this thing where you're in constant sync with people, but I can imagine also trying to find people who want to speak your language. Since as CEO, you have ultimate hire fire authority and you sort of create the context under which other people are going to be successful. Um, how do you think about having conversations about data and situations versus how people feel about things versus how when you're thinking about yourself as a leader and who you need to show up as uh, in different times in order to achieve the goal you want. How have you thought about your strength around data and analysis versus other things that might be needed in leadership and how you've um, come to learn about yourself and that over time? Yeah, I think about, I think about more like facts than data. I think same, same concept, but thinking about really, because I think, you know, data can be, Data is usually perceived to be quantitative, but but I'm a believer in in sort of you know driving to decisions based on facts, and those facts can be either quantitative or qualitative, and um, and, and and being able to 
use those facts to be able to tell a story to support a hypothesis for a decision that needs to get made and being able to do that um, relatively quickly. And I think it's, you know, I think in, in, a, in all businesses, there are parts of the, there are some parts, hopefully there are some, if you're innovating and learning, there should always be parts of the business that are more nascent and more unknown than others. Um, and when you first start out, you know, you have the maximum period of uncertainty. And as your business matures, maybe there are you know, new initiatives and new projects that have, um, that have less certainty and less, less data and evidence. But I think the ability for individuals to be able to, to, to gather facts and to compare those to a hypothesis they have for a decision that they need to make is a really structured way of being able to ensure that the decision making in the company compounds on itself, you know, with every decision that you're getting better and better and better. And so the input to the next decision is informed by what you learned from the prior decision that you made. But if you, but if you're not, if you're not able to use facts to make your decisions and you're really not getting better and better over time, you're, um, really just staying on the same plane and just making, you know, kind of spraying a gun and just making a bunch of decisions versus really, you know, kind of coming up a hill uh, with every decision, sort of elevating the next decision, the next decision. And so I think looking for, you know, looking for facts or looking for evidence of when people have done that in, in their, in their prior careers or in prior experiences has been something that we, uh, or I personally have, you know, have found to be really valuable to ask in an interview process. So that makes that makes sense to me. But let's talk a little bit about that. My experience as a CEO, not just as a coach, but as a person who's started businesses, is that there are times that you need to deal with data. And I understand the distinction you're making between data and facts. There are times you need to deal with facts, and there's actually times you take a leap and there's times you use intuition which is a pattern matching uh which of course is pattern matching but it's pattern matching below consciousness uh, or awareness and in the intuitive space or artistic space of like somebody's going to come in and say i think we should just try this and it's it's an opinion it's not grounded in fact it's not grounded in analysis there's very little data to support it and yet i do believe we should do it I have found that to be important inside an organization as well. And uh, especially in the early stages, because every founder, as a founder, I can say this, every founder I've ever dealt with uh, is a little bit crazy because you just can't do enough analysis or have enough facts at your disposal to um, convince yourself of anything other than the fact that you've got an 80% 80 probability of failure. And that that's a pretty high probability. And yet you, I know you well enough to know, you know, those odds are long and you know that, uh, that you probably could have made more money doing other things. And yet you were inspired and compelled to, to start capsule and get this done. And to me, that was as much an act of intuition and drive and compulsion as it was rationality. In fact, so how do you think about balancing those things and how do you think about the time when someone shows up to you and says, Hey, listen, I really want to give this a flyer and I don't have a lot of rationality behind it. 
versus when um, someone comes to you and says, I want to do this thing. You're like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. How do, how do you think through that as a leader, especially as capsule grows? I think it's spot on. And I think, I think there are high beta decisions and high and, and low beta decisions um, that you have to make. And so I think teasing out, you know, Hey, like, does this decision even matter? Like, is it going to have, you know, big impact or not impact? I think it's some of the mental models from, you know, Amazon and kind of one way decision, two way decision. I think those are helpful heuristics in terms of how much time should any of us be even talking about this because whether it goes wrong or right, like just doesn't matter. So let's just, you know, the, the benefit isn't just making the decision and moving on. I think for decisions like that, that can have high impact and yet there's no facts and data. I think what is helpful then is to really understand, well, if I'm right, what happens? And if I'm wrong, what happens? And what are the reasons that might inform, you know, either of those things? And so I think there's intuition is a, is a wonderful place to start because I think, as you mentioned, like intuition really is, is really just is the accumulation of experience uh, that, that is almost so secondhand that, you're not taking time to kind of separate it out and codify it the way you might with, with something else. And so I think we're believers in, in having strong intuition for things uh, because it probably reflects having, you know, done something, the quote, you know, proverbial 10,000 hours uh, and, and having the ability to sort of almost instinctively kind of know what, what that decision is. And so I think there it becomes, can you, can you really just understand what what the decision path is then going you know going forward is it you know if i do this then this happens and if i do that if i do this and it doesn't happen this is the next thing i'm going to do but i you know i think you're you're spot on like you know early stage companies are moving often too fast um, and there's so much unknown that you can't have facts perhaps to inform the decision but you can certainly have facts to understand what the impact of that decision is going to be um and how to make that decision stronger and better, um, or to mitigate uh, the risks that you know may exist from from being wrong, um, which you know there's inherent uncertainty in everything. Yeah, I think there's there's two things that you said um, over the course of our conversation. I just want to pick up on and or and tie into that. So one is, I think there are not to uh, steal liberally from Kahneman and, and Klein and others, but there, there are people who are good in intuition and people who are bad at intuition. And you have to actually understand how to differentiate between the two. We all have intuitions and we all, there's uh, innumerable biases littered throughout our intuitions. And then the thing that I always loved about like, you know, thinking fast and slow and Gary Klein's work is sort of differentiating and separating out when should you trust your intuitions versus when you shouldn't. And then to connect that back to something that you said earlier about context, I think what that work showed to the extent I understand it is people who have actually had to make decisions that have big impacts and make those intuitions quickly without all available data, and then experience the loss or the problems associated when those decisions go wrong, and had to repeat that and get it more right over time because they were in that context. Those people have intuition more like that you're more likely to trust or should trust, assuming they're in the same sort of context. And so like I think what um, many have talked about is the 
the station commander or fire chief who shows up at a burning house and can make a relatively good decision about whether to send people into a burning building or not, they'll be right more often than wrong in a sort of surprising above random sort of way. But it's because the mechanics of building that intuition have been pretty good. Um, and the good feedback loops, high impact feedback loops, immediacy, you know, la- uh, low latency, etc. And that if you put them in situations similar to that, you can probably get a good decision out of it. But where we make a lot of mistakes is we think because you are a good fire chief, you're going to be a good stock picker. As an example, you know, a lot of got got to make the trade, got to move fast. And, and the reality is they're extremely different contexts. And so one of the things I've seen CEOs think about is like, okay, what is my own mental model of what intuition is and isn't and how I can use it and not use it? And who am I going to choose to trust with their intuition? And some of that is I just, I don't know what I don't know. So I'm going to pick, as you said, two-way doors, um, you know, simple two-way door sorts of situations and decisions so that I can see how you do and we can test your intuition. And some of it is like, yeah, I think this context is the same and, and you're good at this. Like you, you, you have a good sense for how to do these things. And I think I can, I can trust you in that. Being explicit about that and and learning about your own sort of internal understanding of that through the coaching process or just through experience and being able to bring that as a leader, I think improves your own leadership and management over time. And, I, and I've certainly seen that with you. I've certainly seen you improve in that over time just by having that awareness of what intuition is, is and isn't. But it very often has to do with building a fact base about the person, not a fact base about the situation itself and knowing when you can and should trust somebody or how you should be able to test them as, as that you move into that. Now, when you think about the future of capsule and what you're facing and, and all the things that you're aspiring to, because you have huge, uh, a huge vision and a huge drive to, to disrupt the, the pharmacy industry, you know, to your credit so far, so good. What do you think about with regards to the challenges you'll face as a leader in that next stage of growth, that next stage of evolution? What are you going to face and um, how do you expect coaching to be helpful to you in that? I think, uh, you know, I think at some point, I don't know when, but at some point, you know, my job went from the very early is actually building the product that, uh, that created value for the consumer and for the doctor and for other parts of the healthcare ecosystem and making sure that we got that product right and spot on um, and that people loved using it and that it was scalable and the economics were right and the brand was right. And I think my job um, has evolved, continues to evolve to really from building the, the product to building the company that can then continuously build the product or a series of products that create value. And so really almost from a macro perspective, thinking about my job is now building the product, which is the company that can then produce, you know, things of value for, uh, you know, consumers and doctors and other people. And so that evolution or that transition um, is, is, you know, what I think about is the, the next, what the next phase of leadership needs to be. Um, and so that's things like, the communication cadence of the business. It's the management, you know, it's the management rituals. It's uh, like goal setting. It's 
the team that we have in place. It's how the team engages with one another. It's what uh, it's culture. It's what are the behaviors that are rewarded, um, accepted. What are the behaviors that are uh, rejected and punished? Um, it's it's all of those things that can then be build sort of a self perpetuating, you know, organization or organism um, that that allows us to con- you know systematically and continuously uncover um, needs in the marketplace, you know, friction points, frustration points. Um, consumer needs, uh, and then and then solve those and distribute those in the market, and so to build that, to build the to build quote unquote the product that enables multiple products to be you know built and created uh, without you know without my hands in in everything, um, and so I think moving from moving moving the role from sort of you know the the builder to the to kind of the architect you know, is, is sort of kind of a something that's already started, but where I foresee, you know, my, my role continuing to evolve into. Um, and I think the role of coaching um, in that transition or in that evolution, one is to have somebody who is you know, reinforcing that with you and making sure that your time allocations are and your mind share and your attention are on those things. Um, and that can come through a variety of things that can come through the problems that get surfaced in a coaching session, you know, part and parcel of that is fundamentally asking, you know, like, why are you even dealing with this? Um, because that really seems like something you need a process and a machine to deal with um, as part of the, the organization that you're creating um, versus you actually need to solve that on your own. I think that coaching will help, will, will be essential in uncovering where, you know, my own mental models may prevent or preclude or make more difficult the ability to build uh, and architect that organization. Um, and so where there needs to be extra, you know, extra kind of attention to, to the places that will like preclude something that is, you know, highly effective from being put in place and then sort of sustained. Yeah. So I think you're raising something that actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you and I haven't talked a great deal about, but we have this idea called the 4D model. We love models with numbers and letters in them. But uh, the 4D model is uh, based on this concept of how a leader, you know, a founder's evolution sort of maps to enterprise value creation. And so we start at the lower, lowest level of enterprise value creation when the founder first starts in their doing. They're, they're just doing most of the work. A founder in the very early days is somebody who's actually has to carry most of the load. They do everything from new product development to, you know, taking out the trash. And at a certain point, you can't do everything and you start to, to hire other people and enlist them in your vision and what you're trying to achieve. And then you move from a doer to a decider. And the deciding is deciding what is important, what's not important, what should we work on, et cetera. And the decider tells the people who are doing stuff, uh, you know, what to do and how to do it. But at a certain point, there's a transition where you can't possibly decide everything that needs to be done. And you move from deciding to designing, the actually playing the role, as you just said, as an architectural role, a design role of trying to see how this thing would operate. What is the org model and what is the strategic model, et cetera, and how do you get people who are good deciders to be inside of that model? And then ultimately, as you grow and you build more enterprise value, 
you're going to start to move from designing to decoding. And decoding is where you have the ultimate strategic perch and you sit there and you see the long term of the market. You see the long term of the customer's need in that market. And you're no longer really designing the organization. You're just the person who sets the direction and talks about the vision and how to get there. And one of the things that a lot of founders have is they're actually very good at the decoding. That's one of the reasons they get into founding is because they have a vision that other people lack or don't see or can't activate. And I, I would say that was certainly true of you. Um, and that, but they also then have to be the doing. They actually have to every day be doing stuff uh, to get that done. And when they start to move from doing to deciding, it's still, it's, it's the same sort of psychological and mental activity. Like it, it's, it's sort of quick turns, high impact, a lot of uh, activity in the moment. But moving from uh, deciding to designing is very difficult. It's a very different thing uh, it, where you step back and sort of visualize and imagine and strategize and construct as opposed to do or tell. And uh, so I think what you're describing is that you're in that moment I think you, frankly, have been in that moment for a while, but you're in that moment of moving from more the decider to the designer, which makes a lot of sense to me. And then I think what you're doing is describing the role of coaching as being like, hey, if you're going to be a designer, you've got to be good at A, B, and C, and I'm not sure you're actually good at that, which I think you should expect from coaching. But the other thing I think, in, at least in clarity coaching, what you should expect is calling out whether you're actually good at that or not. Because that's a very difficult turn to take. And whether you actually, I, I've worked with founders who cannot make that turn. And they can still be incredible CEOs. They just have to make sure they have good designers around them. And so it's really a self-awareness, which you were also describing with a self-awareness piece to that. Not just like, I've got to be good at it. So hopefully you expect that out of your coach since we continue to work with each other. And that's what I'll be doing. Um, but I hope that makes sense to you. It makes a ton of sense. And the self-awareness piece is incredibly, I think, important as part of the coaching process, um, which is just sort of, you don't have to be good at everything. You just got to make sure that the set, you know, in aggregate, the set of people you have around you can, can be good at the things that need, need, need excellence around them. Um, so that's probably where everything starts. Is being able to have the honest conversation with somebody who cares about you and who knows you um, to be able to get to the realization of like, what are the things that you have a shot at being great at? And what are the things that are going to be like Sisyphean, I guess, like pushing, you know, pushing the boulder up and it rolling back on you over and over and over again. And which of those things may you want to bring somebody in who, who can actually get the boulder, you know, up and over the hill so that you can be that person for the things that you're, you are that person for. Well, I certainly always enjoy a conversation that ranges from Greek myth to um, behavioral economics. Eric, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show and participating. It's been a real honor to work with you and watch you build Capsule. And uh, I'm just very grateful uh, for everything and uh, especially for you being here today. So thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. Always fun to, uh, to catch up. Coaching in the Clear has been a production of Talentism. It was recorded, mixed, and edited by 46 Ave Studios. Original music by John Hunter. If you found this podcast valuable, please share on social media and make sure to leave a review. To support this podcast, please sign up at talentism.com. 
There you will find important content and up-to-date insights about how to unleash your potential. Thank you so much for listening.